<laughs> yeah, right. Oh, come on. We're on the last point of the outline. So uh, if you have it from last week, and uh, I don't know if there would be a few more back there or not. I'm not really sure, but uh, if there are and you need an outline, are there any more back there? No, there's not any more back there, so if you need an outline, tough. <laughs> you lose. You lose. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, we, we are picking up God's work done God's way. Let's ask God to help us and give us uh, his understanding tonight. Uh, Father, I'm thankful for the word of God. I, I really am grateful that we can come to uh, Old Testament scriptures like we did this morning and we have been now for a long time on Sunday evenings and, and we can find truth that is, is so fresh and appropriate for our day today. And we uh, marvel at the, the wonder of inspiration and how uh, you gave us these truths and you gave us these scriptures and, and uh, how beneficial they are. So uh, touch our hearts once again with the, uh, the truths that we've already looked at and that we will look at this evening and, and uh, help us to be people who uh, serve you faithfully and understand that there is a work that needs to be done, and may we do God's work God's way here at Spring Meadow. And, um, and may we be concerned about that and consumed with that, just uh, doing God's work and doing it God's way. And we'll thank you for how you help us. Uh, give us understanding tonight. Touch our hearts. May our spirits be open to your direction. In Christ's name, amen. Well, uh Someone wrote an article, and they said this. Over Labor Day weekend, I was reading the making of the tabernacle. The instructions given to Moses were explicit, and excellence was clearly expected. The work of a skilled craftsman was demanded for, for everything, from curtains and uh, the woodwork to the oil and the incense. Much of the book of Exodus reads like an employee manual or a progress report in which Every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability needed to labor and do the work and complete each task, just as the Lord commanded. In a moment of defeat, it might make us feel all the more inadequate as we read through things like this. The work of skilled craftsmen appears everywhere in the book of Exodus. Uh, what either the making of the tent or the curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, finely twisted linen, the work of fine embroidery, as Exodus 36 talks about, uh, many other things like the anointing oil and the pure fragrant incense, um, these things all had to be done right. Um, they hammered out thin sheets of gold and cut strands, and they worked it into uh, the, the linen and the, and the yarn that was given. Skilled work once again. Everything they set out to accomplish was completed exactly as the Lord commanded. And there's no indication the labor was easy. But the craftsmen of Israel walked away from their work knowing they had done well. Hopefully there are days, the writer said, when this can be said of the work of our own hands, that we're craftsmen accomplishing what God would have us to accomplish. Men and women using the skills and abilities God has given for the tasks he has placed before us. But chances are, this isn't always the case. We may very well labor with the skills God has given and yet be without any affirmation of any sort of accomplishment. We may even walk away with a sense of defeat at times. 
fatigue of calloused hands, or complaint of unclear instructions. But the great truth to glean from the tabernacle is that people used what they had been given by God. The talent they had was not theirs, but God's given to them for the work. The items were things they had amassed through God's hand working in their lives. Frustration, therefore, is unnecessary because what God expects of us is that we're supposed to give what he has given us. And such will make any work done a success as long as we have given our best of what he's given to us. And such is one of the lessons to be pulled from the story of the tabernacle building. We left off last week with the fourth point of the outline. And so let's just jump right in there. The work to perform. The work to perform. And what I actually did with the first few points is kind of review uh, what the, the chapters we've already looked at are about and what we've already shared. So um, the first three points uh, really are kind of simple. These are people, though, remember, that God has gifted people in whom God has worked, as we've seen all the way along here, starting in Exodus chapter 35. And, uh, and, and the truth was they were successful, not because they were talented, but because God gave them what they needed and God used them. So the first point is, as we've already kind of stated, when God's purposes have been made known, chapter 35, look if you would, in verse, uh, starting in verse 4, Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying. And then we find what he commanded. you got to build a tabernacle, and here's what's going to be needed, and all the materials. So God's purposes have been made known to God's people. By the way, um, God hasn't laid out for us to build a tabernacle, but there are a lot of things in life that need to be accomplished for the glory of God. Even a local church has things that need to be done. You have a work that you can do and you ought to do as a Christian for the glory of God. And we need to fulfill, in fact, we're being challenged about that in Sunday school, our purpose in life and do what God would have us to do. So here's when God's purposes have been made known, chapter 35, when God's provision has been done. We've learned that as well in chapter 35. In verse 20 to 29, everyone responds to the work of God. Notice these words, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Moses said, Here's what God wants. Here's what's needed. The people left, and they said, hey, what can we do? And so they thought it through, and God worked in that way, and God made it uh, clear to them. God worked in their heart. I love verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. And, it, and they came, and it's an amazing thing, willing-hearted, right? They brought bracelets, they brought earrings, they brought rings, they brought tablets, they brought, and that, by the way, wasn't computer tablets either, right? So, uh, and, and they brought all these different things, jewels of gold, uh, and they, there was offerings of gold made. Um, those that had blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair. I still think that's kind of funny, you know, but it was necessary for... 
uh, if you would, for the protection of the tabernacle, that they, they, have, they have red skins of rams, and that covered uh, the tabernacle, and badger skins, um, which were dyed red. Which, by the way, there's a, just a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ in the tabernacle. That's, but that would take like a, that would take probably months of, of preaching through it. But even the covering of the tabernacle was a picture of the, the blood covering. Uh, the, the, the rams or the badger skins dyed red. Just a reminder of, of um, what made possible, what makes possible forgiveness. So, uh, okay, see, I want to get off on that subject. So, God's purposes have been made known. God's provision has been has been done, and it's through the giving of God's people. I came across a story. I'm going to share it with you because I thought it was a, a challenge in the matter of just a, a willing giving. A speaker shared this story. He said, I, "I attended a church service recently. When I entered the sanctuary." There were jackets, jackets piled up on top of the piano, and I was bothered that people had piled jackets there. And then I, I remembered that the first two Sundays of the month, they were bringing jackets and warm clothing to give to a shelter for people in need. And that was what they were asking everyone to do, and they'd come and they put their jackets on the, on the piano. Don't do that, but they were gonna, that's what they did. And so... Um, Jackets that we were giving to the shelter were on the piano, and I felt bad that I hadn't brought anything. I forgot. Then I felt God wanted me to place the jacket I was wearing on the piano. It was a black leather jacket. I had bought it the year before, and I didn't want to give it up. I talked to a friend who was with me at the service, and he suggested I wear the jacket home, pray about it, and bring the jacket back next Sunday if I still felt strongly about it. But I felt God wanted me to leave the jacket right now. I remembered the year before when I purchased the jacket. I prayed about it. I felt that it was fine to do it, but it seemed like God was saying you can have it and keep it for a while, and I didn't understand what a while meant. Well, until that Sunday morning. And I think I finally understood what a while meant as far as God, and the time was up. So, before I left, I took off the jacket. I walked to the piano, put down my jacket, and when I walked out of church with no jacket into the cold winter air, I felt great joy because I had listened to God and I had given when he asked. At home, when I went to my closet to get another, another jacket, it hit me how well God knows the greedy side of my heart. And I remembered before I left for the service to bring a jacket to share, I wouldn't have given the black leather jacket. I would have given another one. And it made me think about how God works through us to use the gifts he has specifically selected for each of us. And he concluded by saying that the gifts we receive are never ours. God gives to us so we can give to others. We're just to hold on to the gift until he calls for it. And then when we're instructed to give it away, he alone gets all the glory. And it was a good lesson. And by the way, it's a good lesson what Israel did here because they did the same thing. God worked. They followed God's leading. So when God's purposes have been made known, when God's provision has been done, when God's preparation is complete, I'm trying to give you this picture, and it's all in chapter 35, verses 30 to 35. We find that, and Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. And we've talked about this, but um, 
But look, uh, you know, this work wasn't going to be done right unless someone had the skill and the ability to do it and it had to come. They're in the wilderness. You know, you, you, know, you don't get online and find the, the, the local, um, you know, sewing company that can take care of making curtains for you. Um, it's just, God had been doing preparation ahead of time. We've talked about Bezalel, but I still wonder in my mind, how, how did this guy ever get all this knowledge? Just like, I mean, what, did he wake up one day and say, hey, I think I could put that together that way. You know, it's just, it's, it's uh, an amazing thing. I, I think of the story of Esther in the Bible. Here was a young lady thrown into a situation she didn't ask for. She was asked to do something, go before the king that might mean her life. And what her uncle told her was an amazing thing because Mordecai uh, said, you know, uh, Esther, you need to go before the king because you're someone who can do something about this. And he said, who knows whether you've been placed here for such a time as this. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know what God wants you to do. Right? Times there are preparation times for that. When God's prepared, then there comes a time when you just got to act and you got to do what you're called to do. And, um, and the preparation of Be- Bezalel or just the, the preparation of Esther to bring her to a place for such a time as this, whatever it may be, we just need to be ready when God calls and when the work needs to be done. And then this is where we come to, if you would, the, the crux of the, uh, the lesson. Then God's people must act. So... So listen to it through again. When God's purposes have been made known and God's provision has been done and God's preparation is complete of people or whatever might be the case, then God's people must act. And that's what we find in chapter 36. So here we only have four chapters left now. We got through one. But this is good because this is it is rather simple. Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiah, or a whole life, or however you want. You can pronounce his name any way you want. I don't care. Well, actually, I do if it sounds really bad. But the truth of the matter is his name doesn't matter. It's just that he's someone that God used. And every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And God's people act. Action is a key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Oh, obedience is the very best way. And I know we're not going to sing it. But I think this is uh, interesting. And here's something intriguing to me. Reading through chapter 36 to 30, chapter 39, and you're going to do that now, aren't you? I counted 35 times at least where God said these words, or the Bible says these words, and he made and he made, and he made, and he made. 35 times. Uh, it really has to be a key statement, but this is how the work of God is completed. Just when God has made known his will, God has provided for it, God has prepared someone for the work, it's just time to do the work. And that's what chapter 36 through chapter 39 is all about. And he made, and he made, and he made, and he made, and he made. 
couple things to mention about it. In fact, we find in the first few verses of chapter 36, it has to be made according to God's plan. Look at the end of verse 1. You see? So he's going to do the work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. It had to do fine work. It had to be done the way the Lord commanded it. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. I love that. It's like, why do we need to know that? And yet God included how they made the bottom of, of Aaron's uh, vestments and, and the clothing that he wore when he went in, which, by the way, the bell was there for a very important reason. Because if he died when he went in before the Lord, they would know. <laughs> um, you always knew when Aaron was coming, at least in doing the work in the, in the, the temple, because his clothes had bells on them. It was according to God's, God's plan. Uh, they did fine work, and so it had to be according to his plan. There is, uh, seriously, it really concerns me, there is so much self in Christianity today. And I say even in, in, in sometimes in good churches, there's, it's all about people, and it's all about, wow, so-and-so did such a great work. And it's, it's, it's like it seems as if in many cases, um, uh, you know, people, the, it's foreign to the thinking of people that we need to consider what God wants. So it's not, hey, listen, I think it's going to bring in people if we change our music. It may. But it doesn't matter if it brings in people if it's not pleasing to God. Because the truth is, if we had a thousand people but we're using the wrong music, we're displeasing God. And we're not, we're not supposed to be here to please ourselves or bring in a big crowd. Although I want a big crowd. We're here to, to please and honor and glorify God. And so God's people have to act, but they need to act according to his plan. God is not glorified when we do our work in our own strength or in our own way. We must determine God's way and follow it. And uh, to think that God doesn't have a will or plan for music is silly. To think that God doesn't have a will or plan for our, our actions and the things that we should do is it's just it's foolishness. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And we need to find out what that is and follow his will and his plan. So God's people must act according to his plan. Second thing that I see in these verses is we need to do it in an orderly manner. God tells us in the New Testament that things are to be done decently and in order. And you know the context in which that was found is, is the context of tongues. And, and the church at Corinth was misusing tongues. And chapter 14, that the Charismatics loved to use, was a rebuke of the Corinthians for using tongues in a wrong way. Uh, in fact, if there wasn't an interpreter, it wasn't supposed to be done. And a great majority of what I've read and what I've seen and understand about it, and I know we could get off on that subject and that's not the purpose, but, but the idea here is to understand that God wants things done decently and in order. And there it wasn't decency and order in the church at Corinth, and God wasn't pleased with it. And that is tr if, if that's the same way we're, we're at, if we just kind of do things our own way, look, things need to be done right. And I, it's, it's great. It's a picture, verses 3 and 4. They received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it with all. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. So there was an every morning gathering. That's kind of interesting thing, isn't it? So why, why did God tell us that? Because God had a, had a plan. So look we got to get this done. 
uh, and they had enough enough material, obviously, and enough things to get started, but they didn't have all that they needed for the work. So here's what's going to happen. Every morning you're going to bring things in, and the workmen then are going to come and they're going to gather the things that are that are there. We're going to they're going to go to their area. They're going to do their work. There seems to be a real organized plan here for getting this tabernacle done. It wasn't just done. Oh, you love this word, willy nilly. It wasn't just you know you just pray for us, brother. We haven't prepared, but bless God, we're just gonna we're just gonna make it through. I haven't I haven't practiced the number. You just pray for me. As I said, um, oh man, nothing gets me more bent out of shape than someone that gets up and says, I haven't prepared, pray for me. Um, you know, there's no excuse for that. Now, if if God brought something into their life and they just came back from the emergency room because they, they've been in a hospital and they haven't had time to prepare, I'd be more than happy to pray for them as they, as they, as they do what they're supposed to do. But there's no excuse when someone is slovenly in the work of the Lord. It should be done right, and it should be done orderly. And I'm thankful that we have an example of that. In verse five, 4, it says, All the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary, every, every man from his work which they made, and that's when they spake to Moses. When they said, we have too much. All right, so everyone, there's just this orderly uh, program for getting the work of God done. Um and then they needed to do it, and we need to do it in God's wisdom and strength. So we need to act according to his plan in an orderly manner in God's wisdom and strength. Verse 8, and every wise-hearted man among them that wrought the work of the tabernacle made ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubims of cunning work made he them. Uh, and it talks about all the, the length and everything else. In God's wisdom and strength, any work done for God can't be done in our strength alone because then it's not done for God. Jesus Christ said those words in John 15, for without me you can do nothing. And the only understanding of that, we've shared it, but it's true, the only understanding of that is, is not that, uh, that the only thing that God is ever pleased with is if we do it with Jesus abiding in us. So that, look, here's the truth. I can witness in my own strength, but God isn't pleased. Now, God may use it, but God isn't pleased, at least with me. Because there's things that we can do in our own strength, but there's nothing we can do without Jesus abiding in us that God is pleased with, nothing. Because when we do it in our own ability, in our own strength, we are doing it in our own strength, and God isn't receiving the Lord. And that's what we needs to happen. We need to do things in God's wisdom and in God's strength with dependence upon him. And I, I, it's just beautiful that the wise-hearted did what they were able to do. And the reason they had a wise heart is because God gave them that wise heart. And then uh, we read as well. Look at the last part of verse 8. They, they um, did the, the, this fine twined linen in blue and purple and scarlet with cherubims. And what's the next two words? three words of cunning work okay to the best of their ability not half-hearted in effort they made sure the project was done right to the best of their ability it was cunning work um whatsoever you do do it heartily as to the lord and not unto men uh, the word heartily is interesting it means with vitality with energy now, that's talking about servants. 
But servants were the ones who would say, well, my master's a believer now and I'm a believer, so I don't really need to, they really shouldn't make me serve like this any longer. And God said, yeah, serve. You try to get out from under that. Serve with energy because you're serving Jesus Christ. Do your best to the best of your ability with enthusiasm. And so we find the people doing that of cunning work. And you, you'll read that a number of times of cunning work. They did their, they did their best. By the way, there's some interesting, there's so many interesting things. I, I that it's kind of intriguing. You could go off on a lot of rabbit trails, but you think about this. Whoever gave them the idea for cherubims. So God revealed to, uh, to Moses what cherubims look like. And they had two over the mercy seat, right? right. Where'd they get the idea of that? It was all the pattern God gave them in the mount. So we actually know if we have pictures of those things, what they look like because God revealed it. And that kind of, all right, see, I could get off on all these little things that as you read through, if you think about it, it's kind of an amazing thing. But God God gave them the instruction they needed for everything and they were just to, to the best of their ability then. We're going we're gonna to make the best looking cherubim we, we can. We haven't seen them before ourselves, but God told us what they look like. So, so we're going to make our, we're going to do our best. And then I put finally giving attention to detail. We're not going to read through the whole uh, passage, but it'd be a good thing for you to do that. And consider all the work that was put into this project, handwork, detailed work needed to be done. As we said, they pounded out gold in, in flat pl plates, cut that. We're talking about in the wilderness here, okay? And they cut it into little strips. And then as they were doing this fine work of, of, of weaving and 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 taking the materials to make these these um, these hangings for for the the walls of the the tabernacle, they weaved gold in it. Uh, just uh, they they gave attention to detail. Hours and hours of labor had to to to, to be done in this. Um, and we find that. Uh, just all the way throughout till we get to chapter 39. See, I told you we were going to get through this. And in chapter 39, man, you just skipped a bunch of stuff. Actually, I just told you what happened in these chapters. Um, and it says in verse 33, And they brought the tabernacle unto Moses, the tent, and all his furniture, his ta tashes, is that uh, whatever, his boards, his bars, his pillars, his sockets, and the covering of ram skins dyed red, the covering of badger skins and the veil of the covering, the ark of the testimony, the staves thereof, and the mercy seat, the table, and all the vessels there. You almost get tired reading through this list. Every one of the things that God said to make, um, they gave attention to detail. They completed the task that was done, and the presentation of the tabernacle is made. Everything that is there for Moses to observe, and um, and I know you don't have anything else in the outline, right? Okay, very good. So let me give you two other things. <laughs> yeah, we had to add a little bit. Look in verse, uh, verse 43. And Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it. How? As the Lord commanded. Even so had they done it. And what does it say? 
Um, just two things I had as we close out as we close out the, the book. All right. First, there was praise for a job well done. There's praise for a job well done. There's nothing wrong with praising work when it's been done right to the glory of God. Nothing wrong with recognizing and praising your kids appropriately. Today, there seems to be in many cases this like overdoing sometimes of praise and recognition. I mean, if, if, if someone just you know sneezes nicely, it's like they get praised in our, in our day. But there is an appropriate praise that needs to be done. And sometimes it's easy to only notice the bad and not recognize the good and the things that are right. We preach far more on Israel doing that which is wrong than Israel doing that which is right. And that's probably because we find far more in the Old Testament about Israel doing wrong. But let's also say this, that when right is done, it should be praised. And he blessed them. So, so he not only, not only praised them, but he said, you know what, you've done a good thing, you've done a right thing. And there, was a, uh, there just was a rejoicing in the fact that they had followed what was, what was right and good. And we need to be people who uh, recognize when people do that which is right. And understand this, it was what God had done in and through them, but they had done the work. And there was an appropriate praise. So, um, you know, you did a good job. Thank you. Uh, these things should be part of our existence, um, and they shouldn't be missed. But then, when we get to chapter 40, it's kind of interesting because we've been seeing this all along. In fact, uh, we're going to go back. We're going to look in chapter 39 a little bit. But um, something stands out as the book comes to a close. Remember, we already mentioned a phrase, didn't we, uh, that was found over and over. And I'm trying to find it, um, that phrase once again. that I said much earlier, what is the phrase? And he, and he made, all right. Uh, there's another phrase. That stands out as well as you read through these chapters if you take the time to do it, which I did. Um, I'm not going to read all the verses, but uh, you're in chapter, go back to chapter 39, all the way back to verse 5, all right? And um, you can finish the verse when I read it. Verse 5, and the curious girdle of his ephod that was upon it was of the same according to the work thereof of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen. Thank you. All right, got it. You got the idea now? Verse 7. And he put them on the shoulders of the ephod that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of Israel. If you haven't got a point, that's what we're going to see. Verse 21. And they did bind the breastplate of it by his rings under the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue that it might be above the curious girdle of the ephod and that the breastplate might not be loose from the ephod. Yeah. Verse, verse 26, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, round about the hem of the robe to minister in. By the way, wouldn't you be saying, why are we doing this? Have you ever done that? Like, why? Doesn't matter. God said. So it did. Okay. Um, let's see here. I'm going to, I'm probably going to skip one. Let's look at verse... Um, Oh, uh, verse 42. And, and how does it start? So 
the children of Israel made all the work. Um, if you do not consider the fact that they did this as the Lord commanded, you are missing actually the last couple chapters of this book. Chapter 39, verse 5, 7, 21, 26, 29, 31, 32, 42, 43. Chapter 40, verse 16, 19, 21, 23, 25, 27, 29, 32. And those are uh, most of the times when we read a statement, something like, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, you say, big deal. Actually, it is a big deal because we come to chapter 40. And in verse, uh, Moses and Aaron in verse 31, and his sons washed their hands and their feet thereat. They went into the tent of the congregation. When they came near unto the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. There we have that statement. He reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. And then what happens in verse 34? the glory of the Lord comes down upon the tabernacle and the, the people can't even enter the tabernacle because the glory of the Lord has entered um, and I, I put down there's appropriate praise for work well done but there's the presence of God for a job well done um, but God will not bless efforts done in our own strength, done for our own purposes, done according to our own plan. But God will bless and God will honor work that's done according to his word with a right heart from servants using what God has given them, doing their best. And when, when that's done, God is honored and God uses it. Do you realize it's, it's not until all these things are done, not until every one of them is done that God's presence is seen on that tabernacle. And yet when they did what God said and they followed what God wanted, then God said, okay, I am happy with what's done. And, and here's, the, here, here's just ultimately the truth. I, I, want, I want God to be pleased with my work. Don't you? So then, what I need to concern myself is with is what has God said? I want to do it, but not in my own strength, not in my own ability. I want to I want to do the work that that God wants me to do and as God has told me to do in his strength and his power. And when I do those things, God will be pleased and God will use it. And, and the truth is it doesn't matter what people think of it. It doesn't matter if people came and said, that's an ugly tabernacle. It doesn't matter. What, was, what mattered is the fact that these people pleased God and God made it known. You've done a good job and I'm going to bless you for it. And... Um, and quite frankly, that's a, that's a great challenge for 2023. And it's an encouraging thing when you look in this chapter and find that a people that so many times the Lord were also a people, that at least in this case, 
very much pleased the Lord. And it's evident in this passage. They did everything God said with willing hearts. God was pleased. His presence was known. And, um, and may we be a church who lives that way. May we be individuals who live that way. Just, just having God's blessing and presence in our life because we are servants, willing servants, doing exactly what he's asked us to do. So that's a great challenge to me, and I hope it is to you as well. Let's bow our heads and, and close our eyes. We're not going to have an invitation come forward, but uh, there's an invitation truly in this message in these last few chapters of Exodus as we see a people accomplish a work for God, not for themselves, a work for God that God was pleased with, and God evidenced that by his presence being visibly seen and for God using the tabernacle for years, years to come these people did the work God wanted them to do in this case. And I hope you will do the same. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you make known your will, that you give us talents and abilities that can be used for your glory, and that when we do those things you've called us to do in your strength, you are well pleased. And I thank you for the example you've given us in the book of Exodus and encourages us to just be people who do the Lord's work and the Lord's strength for God for the Lord's glory. And, um, and then just knowing that you're pleased with what's done. So thank you for the lesson. Help us to live in light of that. And may we strive to be people who are used of you, a church collectively, individuals, just doing the will of God and serving God and making our lives count for the glory of God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless him, bless you as you do God's work for God's.